Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb.Dot listeners. It's Sunday and uh, I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi, two of my friends and colleagues from Tavana Nonprofit Organization. And uh, today we are going to talk about the second part of technology and we are going to focus more on technology in education. Uh, yesterday, we mainly talk about the, talked about the benefits, the positive parts of technology, the negative parts of technology. We went over the uh, child's development um, issues with brain development. We talked about the limitations of time, the extension of accessibility. So many different topics we talked about yesterday. And my suggestion to my colleagues was, Let's just today uh, continue our conversation about technology, but specifically talk about technology and education. Hi, this is Dr. Alex Andrade. And uh, yeah, definitely one of those topics that I've been hearing more and more about uh, from uh, a lot of parents, uh, especially thinking of when, you know, COVID kind of started. When I, I think I mentioned before, but I heard so many parents saying that math is so different than it used to be. Um, you know, a lot of parents were finding themselves as teachers and realizing that there's probably a reason why they never became a teacher, uh, you know, and, and then also trying to incorporate and become familiar with technology. Um, it's definitely something I've seen a lot of individuals kind of struggle with and, and kids as well. It, it, I think technology has is, is been integrated into education uh, so much. Uh, I was thinking even when I was in grad school. I remember the transition from it, literally having to go to the library and photocopy text and get articles that way, where gradually over time, I was able through different platforms and, and different databases to be able to search for articles and download it and have a, so much greater access uh, where you know that definitely made a huge change in probably what I was able to present and, and write about. And so you know, I think we look at technology as only adding and contributing uh, to growth and education in that way. But yeah, I think with COVID, it's definitely kind of changed in regards to just this sudden like dependency on it. And so having to adjust very rapidly, I think, you know, teachers, parents, students, uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind, it seems like in that way. And, and yeah, something that it's probably going to continue to some degree. But to, I also know a lot of people are wanting to get back in person as well. So Kind of trying to find that balance of how do we continue to have technology as being a part of the educational process while maybe getting back to some of those other ways of teaching such as in person that so many people seem to really connect with and value uh, yeah i mean you talked about like copying um when you were going to school you had to go use the copy machine just think about it even fax machine has not been around um you know uh, too long ago, because I remember the time that fax machine came in the morning, I remember the news was that, isn't this the most amazing thing that you put a piece of paper in the machine, and someone somewhere else can get this information. And let's look at how fast we have grown in uh, different parts of, um, you know, technology and 
how we have developed technology since um, the time that you were talking about, you know, copying, faxing. And I remember when I was teaching, the first years of my teaching was all the time copying, you know, uh, but, and then also using mostly the board, but where we are now, everybody pretty much has a laptop or iPad in front of them. And also the districts during this COVID actually focus more on spending their budget on technology. Uh, I remember in, I think it was in 1998 when the charter schools started to open and so many charter schools uh, started all over uh, United States, and I'm sure other places, either they had already these charter schools or um, we were just aware of what's happening here. But one of the charter schools um, that I was working with, even at that time, uh, we uh, were not having classrooms and teachers would go to people's to uh, people's home or to McDonald's, uh, Starbucks, meeting the kids. But every kid has all the books and documents that they needed, except that they were not going to classroom. They were studying independently. But soon after, everything went online. And we were, since I even remember, Everything was online. The curriculum was online. Um, teachers were more, more um, had accessibility, had more accessibility to students' um, work and result of their work. But then this was going on and everything was completely online until this COVID happened. And the schools that they never even thought of being online, they started thinking of that. We know that how much the load was on internet and connectivity, connectivity, but we realized that soon all the force and attention went to that and most of the schools were online. Zoom actually became such an important you know, part of this whole thing. And even preschoolers were online. And I remember parents were freaking out, as you said, Alex, everybody was just, thinking of something very new that they never thought of. Now they had to work with the kids at home. They had to help them with technology. The technology sometimes wasn't quite um, working at homes. So everybody actually put their whole focus on what we can do at home to make the technology working and at schools and districts, putting budget into buying laptops, buying iPads. Even I remember a while ago uh, when I was visiting one of the districts, I remember the preschoolers each had an iPad. And, and I think that was early start that they had games, they had alphabet, they were playing on the game on the, um, uh, with their iPads. So the budget started to go part of it to technology, but during COVID, it was just more so. So the whole aspect of education with technology and being online changed. I remember there was a time when I was sharing that I work at a school that all the curriculum is online. Many people were thinking, how could the kids learn then? You know, they couldn't really have this imagination that the kids are kids, teachers are helping them. The only difference is that curriculum is online. 
And the kids can be anywhere sitting, whether at home, whether at any, any of the restaurants or public places, uh, but also, you know, being able to connect and have, you know, the pieces of information academically that they need is in their hands. Do you think it's an improvement? I definitely think it is. Overall? Overall has been amazing improvement in looking at technology in a positive way for education. Because before, here and there, the technology was being used. Like they had, for example, two classes in every school or three classes set up for technology use that sometimes kids during the day they would just rotate and go to these labs or to these classrooms for technology to use, or they had a tech person who was teaching them different things, but it was just one course of their courses. But then all of a sudden this became part of every course, you know, so the kids, for example, for taking math, they, um, first of all, the, uh, enrollment became mainly online, you know, so you could just go online as a parent, enroll your kids online without even going to school, without even checking the um, school. They were enrolling the kids online. I mean, the whole thing was changed during this COVID. I know I'm taking a class right now through the local community college, German language class, and that's 100% online. And there's no regular meeting time. The work, the assignments are online and the teacher, she's recorded these, the lectures, the brief lectures, and it actually works really well. So you can go back and listen to whatever you wanted to repeat again uh, for and yourself and listen to the teacher. And there's some terms too. I think I've, I've been hearing these terms and I, I have to identify with them too, or define them, I think it's important for people to so there's asynchronous, which is what you're talking about, Daniel, that there's not a, a set time. It's not live that you're doing that. So that's asynchronous. And then synchronous is that person is on the other side of the camera, if you will. So I think it's, it's one of those things where, and I hear a lot of students saying that, oh, I have two asynchronous classes and one synchronous class. And, and it's just like, that's how, that's even the lingo, the lingo now, that's what, how students are, are kind of describing that. And I think there's like pros. Uh, I, I've heard some of the, what's a good word, how students have been adapting to that. Some students are like the synchronous classes really work for me because it's like, I know that I'm, you know, having to be on video. I know that, you know, the, the professor is there at that point where the asynchronous classes, some people are like, oh, I like that because I can do it at any time. Um, but at the same time, it, it creates a bit of a barrier from connecting because it's like, okay, well, I have to reach out. There's an extra step to connect versus if we were actually in person in that way. So uh, I think it's uh, kind of as we were talking about uh, last uh, last time, the idea of balance. And, and I think it's kind of knowing what speaks well to your learning type in that way. Let me ask Daniel along those lines, do you think it would make a difference if your class was synchronous uh, for you or does the asynchronous class feel like it, it fits really well for you? Well, the asynchronous fits really well for me. I suspect that if it was a regular meeting time, a synchronous class, there would be advantages to that as well. But this, for my schedule, the way I'm working, I work throughout the day and I can get to these class assignments when I can get to them. It doesn't have to be a necessarily a laid out time or I don't have to 
block out some part of my day. I think it's very handy. And the other thing too that comes with it is it's not like I'm completely isolated from the teacher. You can send her emails. She has office hours that are regularly scheduled. So if I really do need to speak with her somewhat face-to-face, then I can. But I, in, for me in general, I'm really much happier with this class than I thought I would be. I like some of the online exercises because they have some interactive software that we use. And it's like doing a puzzle or playing a game. I, I look at it like that and try to see how well you, it's kind of fun. So I like it. Yeah, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, just depending. On, I like the question, uh, Alex, that you said, how do you compare the two? Do you think this is a good fit? Because this is really important. Some uh, people still like to have their material in their hands and they see the teacher, they can connect as a person. And um, I hear from some people that they dropped their classes at the uh, college level because they didn't like to be online. So there's so many different, um, you know, uh, I guess, um, modality that people learn with. Or, or So we are getting to our first break. We come back and we continue our conversation about technology and education. بندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه رادیواتون رو باز کردین من سعیده ملک افزالی هستم به همراه دوستان و همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندراده در خدمتون هستیم روزای شنبه و یه شنبه ما به زبان انگلیسی برنامه های روانشناسی داریم و به موضوعات روز و موضوعاتی که به هر حال ربط پیدا میکنه به انسان ها امروز قسمت دوم برنامه تکنولوژی رو داریم برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade and we continue our conversation about technology in education. Uh, one of the most important part that we witnessed during COVID was parents dealing with the, helping the students uh, in their education at home and use of technology. And of course, parents and the generation that they had kids at school, they're really familiar with how to work with technology. But still, I heard from many young parents that they had kids in elementary school. They had a very hard time set up the uh, setting, the way that the kids are mostly, you know, using online, using the time appropriately. There was a lot of, um, you know, ups and downs at the beginning, but the kids are very flexible and adaptable. So the kids, I think sooner than parents thought, they learn how to use the time and sit um, on the computer. But I remember at that time and at the beginning I had friends that they were sharing that 
their kids didn't like it sometimes because they wanted to be in person. They wanted to hug their friends. They wanted to see their teacher. There was a lot of issues with that. And I remember one of my friends was just saying, my sister has two young kids and they hate Zoom. As soon as they talk about Zoom, they, they just freak out and they want to run away. And they say, we don't like it. So, and, and we know and many adults said the same thing. They said, we are Zoom out. We don't yeah. want to do Zoom anymore. Yeah, I was thinking there's a lot of adults probably want to run away from Zoom as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Rockers, you said the same thing? Well, half joking on that. I spent all my day on Zoom. But it in a lot of ways, like I said, I think it's an improvement over the commute and being on the freeway and spending money renting an office, just working from home seems to work pretty well for me. And so. I think for parents was the security part. I was just thinking if I had kids at school, I would be very happy to know at least one part of my worry is gone. And that's, you know, having the kids, uh, you know, and, and feeling the safety is in place. Well, because of all this shooting and all these, uh, you know, unsafe environment that sometimes the schools nowadays are, you know, you feel like, you know, at least I know during this worry time with the health and uh, the COVID, at least one thing that I'm feeling less worried about is my kids' safety and not there to be worried about anything um, unusual happen. You mean safety with being on the computer all the time? Is that what you're talking about? Or what do you mean? No, I meant like when they're at school, there's always a chance with the news that you hear about shooting, about uh, fights, about all these other things, drugs. You know, schools are full of, you know, variety of issues that may happen, you know. And uh, we have all sort of diverse, um, you know, situations um, day to day and coming from schools and being in different schools working with different schools we had um, sometimes in I was when I was working in inner city school um, we had I think four to six cases of guns that we had to um, you know bring um, police officers at school we had riot at one of the schools I was working uh, we had gang fights. Uh, we had so many issues going on. And of course, that was a different type of school I was working at. I'm sure not every school has that. But um, it was especially drugs, even in um, other places that they seem to be in a, areas that they have less issues with gang or shooting and these other things. But even drugs was spread out throughout, um, you know, everywhere that the kids at that age were. So I think when I say safety and in regards to feeling less worry at the time that your mind is all about health and worry about COVID, I was just thinking that as parents, you were less worried about this aspect of your school's, uh, your schooling, your children's schooling you know one of the things i've wondered a lot about is is kind of teachers in that way um i've taught at the university level and in thinking about teaching during COVID, uh, there's a couple of uh, possible opportunities uh, my instant gut reaction was like no way uh because i was thinking to have to 
teach completely online would require so much energy and effort, especially kind of building a new class from scratch. Uh, but upon reflecting on it, you know, I, I incorporated quite a bit of technology when I did teach such as uh, different platforms, there's like Blackboard and Canvas and things like that. Um, I, I found it really helpful too, even where some of the quizzes were um, completely automated. I didn't really have to do too much, just pick the questions and then the students took those quizzes and it was scored and entered into the grade book. Uh, I didn't have to do anything, it was great. Uh, but in thinking of completely kind of going online, whether synchronous or asynchronous, it just seemed like way too much. And again, I, I don't really identify as a teacher. I've taught a couple of classes, but I guess the, the question that comes to mind is kind of twofold is one, you know, were teachers ready? Were they able to get ready? And then probably the other really big important question too is, you know, are we going to see teachers differently now? Are they going to get uh, maybe a little bit more acknowledgement and credit for, you know, what they've done during this time? I think like, just like nurses and, and, and medical staff um, who maybe haven't been fully appreciated for all the, the work that they do. I mean, teachers just, I mean, they had to step up to a whole different level. You know, are they going to get paid more? Is there going to be some, you know, increased acknowledgement and notoriety in regards to that profession, that career. Um, what are your guys' thoughts or take on even, you know, teaching during this time, as well as even just the impact it's had on teachers? You know, coming from teaching background, teachers do so much in order to run just one class. Um, especially when you're a beginning teacher, rather than having more support, they usually put everything that other teachers don't take on, on the new teacher because you don't have any experience. From my experience, every classroom that you teach, you have at least one, two hours at least to prepare for that class. Imagine you're teaching five different preps, which they give the to new teachers, and how much extra work you need to have in order to be able to run your class. Now, one of the things that is to the benefit of teaching online is classroom management. And I remember when I became a teacher, one of the most important part was training us to manage our classroom because um, they say it was a high percentage of teachers to get burned out the first semester and they just drop teaching job because they can't handle the classroom and they can't handle the teaching part. And if you're not perseverance, if you're not really um, passionate about what you're doing, chances of leaving this career is a lot. But um, in general, I think teachers really work hard in order to transfer their knowledge, in order to really get into different um, needs of a group of a students, because each student doesn't learn the same. So if you want to get to each of your students, you have to group them with their needs. You have to use different modalities, different strategies to get to what they need. And also imagine you're teaching, well, college, I taught college for a couple of years and I loved it because you don't have classroom management. College students come because they want to come. But high school students, junior high students where I was working at, they 
they do anything to um, just make other people uh, laugh or do you have clown in the classroom? You have all sorts of students that they like to, uh, you know, make your classroom a mess. And you have to really have so much uh, patience and love for your job and also being able to connect so that the kids listen to you especially as we are moving towards technology, I feel like that is listening the um, problem of classroom management because the kids now are focused on technology rather than you know, getting bored and doing crazy stuff in the classroom. I have a stories after stories about the classroom management and what happens to me <laughs> and how I became a stronger and a stronger uh, in, in my career and in being able to deal with the kids. But uh, talking about uh, technology and education, I feel like if you use it correctly and appropriately, in the right place with uh, education, I think it's fabulous. It's, it's just so much you can do with technology that is positive. But the question is that how much you can make technology fun and interesting for the kids that while they're enjoying and while they're hooked, they learn. So this is the key that if you just give the kids the curriculum and there are a bunch of writing and writing, the kids are not going to pay attention. They get bored. But if you make this more um, with videos, with, um, you know, um, whiteboard, uh, with things that you can explain in a fun way, the kids can learn. Imagine U.S. history or world history or subjects that are not that easy. And it's a lot of reading involved. In my experience, that was the worst thing that the kids, they had to be really interested in order to pay attention and learn. So you had to really incorporate videos. You had to incorporate projects. You had to incorporate, you know, fun game activities so that they pay attention they get in, engaged and interact with uh, the group or with the class, and also they learn. So it's a lot of creativity. I think teachers who are creative, they can really have the attention and uh, attention of the kids and connect with the kids. But if you are not creative and you are just teaching out of books and out of the curriculum that you have in hand, your test scores is going to go down. Your students are going to get bored. You know, your success is going to go down. But if you're creative and you know that the attention span of the kids is very, very short. So you have to incorporate at least during 50 minutes of each class, you have to have at least three different activities. So three different activities that one is visual, one maybe is with writing and paying attention and listening. So it's visual, auditory, kinesthetic. So projects and uh, you know videos and also something to do um, with um, you know learning that way it's it's just so um, to me it's an art teaching is an art and I never forget my first uh, class that I took um, for becoming a teacher it was instruction and leadership and I remember 
uh, our professor came to the class and said, um, next time you come to class, I want you to have every one of you, your frameworks in front of you so that you can talk about what subject you're teaching, what is your plan, what do you understand from this framework? And the second time I remember I had my framework, I was teaching math at the time and everybody else had their framework. Some um, people had two, three frameworks in front of them. And at that time, I remember he came and everybody introduced themselves and said what are going to teach and what is the framework, what do they understand from framework. And then he immediately after everybody was done said, okay, I want you to put your frameworks away and I want you to go and teach those kids life. I want you to go and teach those kids connection. I want you to first start with being a human being. You're not your framework. You are not what you're teaching. You're a human being and you want to go there and connect with those kids. You're not going to be successful if you're just thinking of your framework and what you're going to teach. And I never forget that. He said, if you connect to those kids, you can teach them anything. But if you start with knowledge and trying to hook them with what you're teaching, you're not going to be successful. And that was the first class I took. And he set the tone and he actually said, even if you spend more time at the beginning and do the hard work with each individual to get to know them and connect with them, you're not missing your time. You're actually gaining time because then teaching them is going to be easy. Then for them, learning is going to be interesting because they have that connection with you. I think I would have walked out as soon as he said that, <laughs> <laughs> which means uh, maybe I shouldn't be a, a teacher in that way. No, I mean, but to that point, I mean, that's that's so important. You know, it can't just be what you're, what you're uh, teaching or what you're, you know, the information you're supposed to impart on the person in that way. So yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think uh, the other question I had too, given COVID, um, do you think teachers are going to be recognized differently now? Do you think this is going to change it? Or, I mean, from what you said, it almost sounds like teachers were, I mean, good teachers are, I don't know if you want to qualify it that way, but good teachers were maybe more ready to adapt to this in that way? I mean, you know, creativity already being, you know, a part of, of what they're thinking of. Um, but along those lines, you know, is that going to be something acknowledged on the more, you know, uh, systemic level, the higher levels? Um, what are your thoughts? I, well, you know, for the last, I think, 20 years of um, education, I think there were a lot of training on this creativity and new teachers were really set and ready for this. They knew a lot about attention span of the kids. They knew a lot about, you know, different activities, different strategies, different modalities. But think about it. You have to be comfortable in your skin. So like anything, again, we're talking about who you are as a person, how your worldview is in order to become a better teacher. They teach you all this. They train you for that. You know, there's so much training conferences, you know, um, and technology became a big part of uh, teachers in every classroom 
um, but not to the extent that we face this COVID, during COVID. Because during COVID, we went online fully. But um, as far as I remember, even the time that I was teaching in classroom, we were always trained for using our TV in classroom to connect with our laptop, to uh, make sure that teach uh, kids are not only looking at the paper uh, and they're not only working with paper and pencil we were showing some videos uh, we were incorporating things and that started I would say since 25 years ago and it got became more and more and especially young teachers were already equipped with a lot of technological um, you know uh, interest and um, knowledge that they had that they came to classroom. And um, especially during the time I was working for the charter school that we were mainly online, we had a lot of training with Google because Google education became also a big part of teachers' life and especially those that they were very interested in technology, they got hooked with Google education. So Talking about technology, I am for it, 100% for education, depending on how you use it, depending how, it, how knowledgeable you are and how the facility works so that you're not interrupted because the kids get really tired and bored if um, you know the connection is not right if you know you are interrupted in the middle of what you're doing uh, with that we're going to give another break and come back to talk about technology and education شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه رادیواتون رو باز کردین و صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه من به اتفاق دو تن از همکارانم دکتر اندرادی و دکتر راکرز به زبان انگلیسی صحبتهای مختلفی در زمینه های روانشناسی و فرهنگی آموزشی در رادیو بامداد داریم و خوشحال هستیم که با رادیو بامداد همکاری میکنیم اگر که سوالی دارین و یا ترجیح میدین راجع به یک موضوع خاصی ما صحبت کنیم خواهش میکنم با رادیو بامداد تماس بگیرین و ما بتونیم بیشتر رضایت شما رو جلب بکنیم
we're back with Dr. Andrade and Dr. Rockers. Uh, we um, have been talking about uh, different topics uh, regarding psychology and regarding technology and education. And uh, we are back and we continue our conversation. Yeah, the idea of uh, technology and education, I mean, I think it's one of those things where it's, you know, now it's going to be the norm. It's going to be the standard in a lot of ways where before it was maybe, like you said, it's something that's been kind of growing and developing, but uh, you know, just this is now in that way. I mean, I think of it almost like with our phones, you know, we forget that, you know, we're walking around with this, you know, supercomputer in our pockets uh, and it's a camera and uh, it's a map and it's, you know, banking and transportation. And we just, uh, I don't want to say take it for granted. I mean, we can, but it's just, it's, it's ingrained in us. Like this is how the world works in that way. And so with technology and in, in teaching, especially, you know, I can't see, I can't see it go any way, but continue to advance and, and continue to refine the different ways that it can help uh, students learn and, and access, you know, information in that way. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to evolve and unfold. And it just, I, as I see my, my nieces and nephews going to school, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting, you know, some of the, some of the dilemmas now, as far as, you know, being on mute and, you know, getting kicked off, you know, I need the, the login code. My, my niece, the other day, she was like, I don't know my login code for the zoom meeting. And I was like, I was like trying to help her. And I was like, do you have any idea what it could be? Like, I'm over here trying to guess a code, a login code for zoom, which, you know, is probably one, strange seven seven four eight five or four three two oh seven oh eight or something who knows but i just did not know what to do in that moment so uh yeah it's just interesting because it's it's not something that i at least personally envisioned having to help you know my niece and nephew try to do <laughs> anytime soon in that way but uh yeah it's just it's the way of the world uh, and, and yeah probably going to continue along those lines but I tell you, probably they can, if you run into problem, they can help you quickly uh, because they, they're digital born, digital born. We are, I mean, especially I am talking about myself. I am immigrant born to technology. Uh, so, uh, you know, they know a lot about technology than we do. Uh, even I have seen nine month old that cries to get the phone from the mother. And then yeah. immediately when he gets or she gets the phone, it becomes quiet, doesn't cry anymore. The, because he sees or she sees this uh, in the hands of every adult or even children. And a nine month old wants it. And as soon mm -hmm. as you put it in, in the hands and they start, you know, uh, doing this and pressing things. And as soon as something shows up, they're happy, they're looking, and we're living in that world. Yeah, it's so strange. My cousin, he's a comedian. Uh, and he, he has all these jokes about just how that what that transition looks like. So for example, he's like, some people never know what like a dial tone sounds like, like, you know, we can remember, you know, you pick up the phone, there's a sound. And then you dial the number like that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, even just uh, different, you know, aspects of technology uh, in regards to, you know, uh, God, there's so many things that he talks about. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, but just how, you know, you had to like wait till you got home and hear somebody called for you. Like, you know, it, versus now it's like you can text, you can call and, 
and just how different that was. It, it, I think it taught you one of the things he emphasized, like it taught you how to wait, like you had to wait, you know, you had to, you had to manage, you know, those expectations of, you know, when those things were going to happen. Uh, even like video games, you know, you, you, didn't, you couldn't save video games. You had to like pause it and like leave the remote and turn off the TV and hope that, you know, the power didn't go out, you know, now they got memory cards and everything like that. So it's just such a difference in, in, you know, one lifespan, how technology has, has jumped and leaped, uh, you know, and I think we can see this over, you know, the last couple of generations, uh, how, as Daniel was talking uh, previously, you know, even the television and, and the, the advances made there, I mean, our TVs are so flat now and you can just carry it before, you know, you needed like five people who, you know, were pretty healthy who can, you know, carry a TV, you know, and if it fell on you, I mean, you would probably have to go to the hospital. So again, it's, it's one of these things, these advances in technology have, have made life so much more different. Yeah, speaking of advances, the, an interesting fact is that the first landing on the moon, I don't know if we've talked about that, the phone that you have has more power than the computer that landed the first astronauts. Not only that, it has a lot more power. It has 100,000 times more power than that computer. Is that amazing? <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. 50, 50 years ago, that's how much things have changed mm. just in your telephone. Yeah. I mean, it, this is amazing. And as you mentioned, Alex, uh, you know, I remember uh, those Apple computers, the big ones that uh, the first they came for home. They had like computer. turquoise, right? They had the different colors or, they, or even earlier than that. No, probably I'm talking about earlier than you're very mm -hmm. younger, but those, <laughs> those I'll take those that. I'll take that, that compliment. Yeah. Especially the ones that they gave to schools. Remember Apple gave a lot of computers donated to schools. And I remember they were really big computers. They were, uh, the width was fine. You know, it was like 12 inches or 14 inches, but uh, there's, um, volume was huge from the back. And uh, yeah, so it was interesting that you couldn't really, maybe you could carry, but it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that, that fun to do that. And not many people even had that. I remember how expensive they were. My, our first computer at home was pretty expensive compared to now. And also the phone, every part of the technology has hugely changed. Remember the time that was pager before, and it was something very amazing that somebody could page you and you could see the number. You don't, you didn't know who the person is, but at least you could see the number and you had to get to a phone to call and see who is this person who's paging you. And then there was a time that you would come home, rush to answering machine, just to know who is calling. The answering machine is blinking. But these are not too long ago. That's the thing. I remember every one of these things was happening not too long ago. And imagine where we are going when that professor talks about blinking and uh, the contact lenses and being connected. I can totally see that. Or the time that we are not going to even have this actual laptop in front of us. So you can just touch the air. And as long as you have a wall or you have a dark 
then you can see your screen. So, I mean, we have seen these type of things or the soldiers are going to be robotic soldiers and, and um, the, the partner can be robotic partners. You know, I mean, we have seen all these and we have uh, even had seen um, a sample of these type of robotics that they talk about. So they say in the future, there won't be any soldiers really going to um, army or to different uh, section of the army. The robotic, the robots are gonna do that. So not only in education, we are talking about focusing on technology is gonna be actually the most important thing. There was a time that only independent schools uh, that they were using technology were fully equipped to do their work online. And now you see that every district now is expanding their technology part to be able to rush into even not missing a day of uh, instruction so that they can immediately go online and be connected to their students. Yeah, and um, there's so much more to talk about, but at the very end, uh, each of you have uh, just a short time to finalize your thoughts and connect with our uh, listeners through your mind. I would start, I would say, keep in mind that technology is a tool. It's not an end necessarily in and of itself. We have to live our life. And it's gonna, like you said, with the, uh, with the professor who taught you, you wanna connect with your students first. So connect with people first. That's the key element. Technology is a tool, it doesn't, really isn't the end, doesn't need to be the end, or you will find yourself disc. And along those lines, I, I think I always encourage people to try to be open. I, I know I don't always heed my only my own advice, but uh, I know like most people, it can be like, oh, that, that feels like too big of a change or, or such a contrast from what I've always done. Uh, but I think it's one of those things with technology, if we can try and see what that is and, and try to adapt to it. I find a lot of times I'm reminded of the times I've tried to teach my parents how to use their their iPhone for the first time and, you know, thought I would, you know, pull any hair out that I might have left on my head. And, uh, you know, now it's one of those things where it's like, they're like showing me things I don't even know about. And so uh, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think it can be something you learn and adapt to if you're open in that way. And, and so to fight technology, I feel like it's, you know, again, like Daniel said, you know, it's a tool, you know, recognizing it as that, but not just kind of closing ourselves off to it as well, especially for education purposes. Yeah. And I want to reiterate what Dan said that we, after all, we are a human being with emotions, with, um, you know, just connection that we need to have. So technology is great, but we have to have a balance between uh, in-person connection and also having this tool as a valuable tool to gain um, knowledge and information. But besides that, I want to say, uh, and I really want every one of our listeners really pay attention to this, technology is going to take over. So we better equip ourselves with knowledge of technology. As things come, we have to adapt ourselves to it and try to learn it rather than getting away from it, because then part of our connection is going to be missing. So with all that, even though we say we are a human being, we need to have that connection, but also my suggestion is as soon as something new comes, 
try to learn it. Try at least to know what it is, how it works, so that you don't fall behind. Because your connection to the world is going to be limited and more limited if you don't get you know, yourself equipped with a knowledge of the new era. So with that, I want to thank my colleagues um, for their presence and their contribution to our program and have a wonderful weekend uh, and the coming week. And we come back with uh, other topics. Oh, shit.